Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host, Chris Porter. I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for our regular hockey talk discussion. We'll also have our colleague Luke Chelios on later. For those of you new to our program, we want to let you know that we release episodes approximately every two weeks with occasional added special editions here and there. Uh, on our episodes, we'll discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's 32nd franchise, the hockey team we love here, the Seattle Kraken. On our program, we'll share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team news. We'll occasionally uh, present some interviews with people involved with the team, as well as the fan community. Plus, we also aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as our own website, KrakenFanCast.com. We encourage you to visit KrakenFanCast.com for everything related to the show. All of our episodes are on there, and even our YouTube channel is integrated with our site. Also, we ask you to please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at CastKraken. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got some content on there, and we hope to add to that throughout the season. Okay. Well, since our last broadcast, uh, our last podcast, quite a few games have happened. Um, one game, we actually uh, did a little preview to that little drop-in at uh, the Angry Beaver over in the Greenwood uh, neighborhood of uh, Seattle. One of our sponsors, our buddy Tim Pipes, runs that place, and we're very thankful to him and his staff letting us uh, do a, another you know, little brief broadcast there. Uh, Jim and Nathan and I uh, had a great time uh, a little bit before that Tampa Bay game. Oh, that ugly shutout loss to the defending Stanley Cup champs. Uh, the Kraken lost that game three to nothing. And it was their first suffered shutout in Kraken history. Woohoo! Oh, well, happens happens to everybody. And it actually took 20 games for that to happen for a brand new team. Uh, that's not bad. I guess we can chalk that up to a small <laughs> victory in the stats in a way. Uh, fortunately, our boys bounced back in a major, very major way. Only a day later, they played Florida Panthers and they won a very solid four to one victory against a team with one of the best current records in the entire NHL. So that was one that, you know, after that Tampa loss, thought maybe they'd bounce back. But Florida was a was a tall order to beat those guys on their home ice and the Kraken did it handily. Then they had a little bit of a time off uh, to fly all the way up to Buffalo and they got off to a great start, a nice early lead, and the Kraken never lost that lead uh, over a very high-scoring game, 7-4. to four. It's quite an uh, uh, offensive showdown there, so uh, kind of some unusual things in that game, but it was great. They solidly won that one. And then Detroit, as we uh, uh, record this, this is shortly after the Detroit game, and I'll tell you, man, Halfway through the second period, I was smelling a tie. I told Jim, so I said, texted on that. I'm smelling a tie, man. And uh, we got it. Unfortunately, it was an overtime loss. And uh, it was also, interestingly, the first regular season shootout situation for the Kraken. They ultimately lost four to three in the shootout, but at least they gained a point in the standings. And so that was great. And they got five points from a tough four game road trip, not too shabby. Also, I'll point out, because we're going to talk about this in a little while, too, about uh, the Detroit game. Ryan Donato with two goals. One of those goals coming after he got a puck 
you know, in blocking a shot, had to go into the locker room, comes back and boom, it's a goal. So I just got to say something to the uh, cracking coaching staff. I know you know way more about hockey than I do, but man, I better not see Ryan Donato on the healthy scratch list again. I'm just, just saying, I have to say that. Unfortunately, the team's also dealing with an injury bug. Chris Drieger, Borgen, Schwartz, Giordano, Yarncroc, for varying reasons, all out. Uh, we got both uh, Cole Lind and Joey Decord uh, came back up from the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL, and they're back with the team to fill in uh, a couple of lineup holes. So that was the thing with the Detroit game, missing all those guys. And they handled themselves pretty well. But guys, that was an interesting road uh, trip. Uh, Nathan, uh, let me start with you. Uh, you know, those first couple of games after the Tampa Bay game, uh, Florida and Buffalo looked good, gave us a lot of confidence. They looked a lot crisper, yeah? Yeah. If anybody listened to the episode last time, I had put a lot of emphasis on that we lost five in a row. Well, then we go out, we hit the road, and we almost win five in a row. We won four out of five. That game in Buffalo, that's seven goals. That's really good. I mean, that's good by any standards. Uh, giving up four goals, though, um, you'd like to have that trimmed down a little bit. But you know what? It was a win. We got a point out of it. Susie got his, uh, I believe, his third goal that game, Tanev number eight. Uh, McCann got number nine and number 10. And then Appleton got his very first goal of the year. So that was good. That was good. Uh, looking here, you know, really close on the shots. Uh, Kraken had 32. Buffalo had 36. Pretty close there. Hits, not so much. We only had nine hits against their 21. I'd like to see that improve. Yeah, that was interesting stat. That that was really way more lopsided than I realized. Yeah, and it's not the first time, but, you know, it's not all about hits, but that does help. We only had one giveaway, which is a dramatic improvement from other games. You uh, move on to, you know, the Panthers game, four to one, almost the shutout, but uh, shots weren't as close, uh, 27-34 in favor of uh, Florida. We were 72-73% mm, fairer on uh face-offs which is nice to see uh yeah, they were struggling with that earlier in the year face they they were never winning the face-off war and they, they they're starting to now exactly the blocks you know that's 22 against their 10 that's really really good to have to block 22 shots though is i don't know why that would be to allow so many shots but that is what it is you know giveaways um we had 14 or 15 giveaways that game but it didn't hurt us at all it has in the past. So that's also another improvement that I, I must note today's game kind the of a nail game. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a nail biter in situations, but uh, you know, when you, you mentioned Donato going off after that block and then coming out on the ice and scoring a goal, that just, that's just character. That's skill. He just, he went out there and my wife, she was yelling out, wow, he just went out there with gusto, you know, and just trimmed it up. So it was good. Yeah, he kept the gusto going even uh, after his second goal. He's yeah. got a third one yeah. there. He kind of fell behind the behind the goal. He was trying to do a wraparound, but uh, he, man, Jimmy, he had a great game, eh? Yeah, I mean, I got to admit, every time Donato scores a goal, you're the first person I think of, Chris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boston boy. I mean, I get it. I'm a Boston fan, too. Uh, you know, we saw some success with, with him back there, but he was real streaky, and here he's getting his chance but he's also getting scratched a lot uh maybe this will be the turning point i don't know but at a minimum hang on that fourth line and bounce up with that third line or something 
Nathan touched on all great points both of you guys have on uh, the games leading up. So four to one against the Panthers. What I liked about it first, by the way, you know, when you're in that environment, you're not giving it 100% attention like you would at home or at the game. I was impressed looking up at that screen, seeing the offensive flow of that game. The guys were just moving quick. The lines were moving quick. The skills were showing. The puck possession and the um, cycle in the offensive zone was super impressive. It was almost a whole, like a whole different team. I was like, what the heck's going on here? Florida just almost looked in shock at home. And it was just a beautiful game. first that home prob- loss, too, by the way, we should point out. Yeah, that was probably my funnest game to actually watch, even over the Caps in person and all those other games. Things about that game that I enjoyed. Borgen's first call-up. As no. you know, I've been tooting Borgen's horn since camp. Uh, not that he just stood out. I just know he's a physical force. He looked pretty darn good. He got in a fight in the first period pretty early, and that always puts a smile on a lot of people's faces. And I know I know it can drop him. I've seen him do it before in the past. Donato had that tip off of that Alexiak shot, which was nice. Ebbs was hot again, of course. Uh, I noticed that Donsko and Appleton had solid two-way games. Uh, you could really see him hustling on the forecheck. And this was the first game I also noticed. I started noticing a lot of ice time by third and fourth liners. So I started jogging the minutes and... This is the first time I'd seen Haskell manage a game as equal of minutes as he can up and down the line, anywhere from 11 to 17 minutes, which is right in the realm of perfect management. It's not in that six to 20 minute span. So that's huge. That means everybody's playing well. The system's working. Alexiak, Susie, and Dunn had great defensive games. Dreger, of course, a 971 per, uh, save percentage. Just That was his first big game to go, hello, I'm here. And now we've got two tenders. And it carried over to the next game because he got the start, which kind of surprised a lot of us, actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. But there was good, you know, look look fine, but apparently yeah. got hurt. That's another thing. We don't yeah, know why. That's, that's the second time he's got hurt where we haven't noticed him get hurt. So that's something that comes up later, which always makes me think that it's a, a growing type of pole thing, you know, because you don't see him get hurt. So you wonder if it's a stretch or a warm-up thing. Couple notes about that Buffalo game, that seven-four game. Oh, by the way, Panthers game. We scored in the first two minutes. Hello, <laughs> it's kind of refreshing. That, that's nice for a change. Yeah. Oh, okay. Give up a give up an early goal of the other team. That that's what we'd see often, too often. Yeah. And the same thing happened, obviously, in the Buffalo game because we had three goals unanswered in the first. That was an impressive onslaught of the first period and the best first period played by this club to date. That was also the first shorty and then followed up with Tanev shorty. So that's two shorties in one game in the first period. Second goal by McCann uh, was really nice. That geeky backhand as he was getting boarded. That was impressive one-handed backhand. The drive to the net was really good. I I thought of Nathan on that game with guys going to the net quick and hard. There was a lot of that happening. The one negative was just a couple mistakes that caused those. That was the one thing about that game. I, I noticed it at the end of the game, too, that Haxel had that look on the bench and a quick little discussion with the assistant coach. You know what? Yeah, we won and we were in control the whole game, but I'm not happy with those four goals straight up because they were just quick mistake turnarounds that turned into, you know, goals. That's a good sign that a, a coach in a winning effort is can, can pick his team apart even at that. So other than tonight, you know, we pretty much already got that down. Um, it was a good back and back and forth seesaw battle for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, kind of the, what you just touched on a little bit, Jim, I mean, I think we all, I mean, we've all at various times complained about the chemistry and sometimes it seems it's here and then, and then it's just like sloppiness, the passing's not correct. One thing I've noticed on it, like you said, I was touched what you just said, is it looks like a totally different team, especially the last three games. 
like the backhand passes and this and that. Now they finally look like a team that's been together for a while. Because right. it, it's sometimes we'd see that in a game here and there or a period here and there, and then we'd go away and you're like, okay, is 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 it real at all? And finally seeing some consistency from the team just just in, in making plays happen. You know, and another thing too about both of the Panthers and the Sabres game, I'm seeing some patterns that is not Haxel typical defensive structure, which is fine. It's just going to happen. The game's going to develop how it does. I did see some tendencies of some run and gun play in that Sabres game, which always surprises me. And I'm sure that was driving Haxel a little bit nutty. But yeah, no, it's their flow. The offensive flow is great. And their goal production is up one whole goal on average, which is pretty impressive. And their PK is hanging out about mid-packs, 16, 17. But the power play is totally up. And they got to love that. I think, what is it, seven games in a row now? They tallied on the PP, so it's impressive. And the PP, they were they were the, the next to worst team there for a while, stat-wise. Right. And, and that's that's come back. Uh, I forgot to mention, too, as far as, like, the you know, the injuries and everything. Uh, also, Everly, you know, had lower body and everything, too. So uh, I'm not sure. Giordano should be coming back from COVID protocol unless he got really sick. I don't know. That, this team's kind of tight-lipped a little bit on the injuries. Is that typical of all the NHL teams? It seems to be, you know, I, I remember we talked about that a lot and it was so generic with upper body, lower body. I made a meme once just to throw it out. There it was just generic drawing. Lower body, what, ingrown toenail or <laughs> foot's but, falling off? What, well, you know? You know, obviously Dredgers is, is, I don't know what that is. That's just weird. But I mean, the other guys, I, I love seeing you know Joy Decord get a little, uh, little love once in a while, but you know, yeah, at this, not this point of the season. Yeah, and then everybody pretty much saw the ebbs, which was didn't look too good. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious about Schwartz's. I don't know what's going on there. That came we out of nowhere. Borgens is obviously when he took those back-to-back slapper blocks, something happened down low on him. Yeah, I didn't see what happened to uh, Everly. I did it, specifically. It, it it was it looked like it hurt. You know, I mean, he went off pretty instantly right there in the second, mid-second or later second. They were calling his injury before the end of the game anyway. So that's a shame. Yeah. Anybody, well, anybody that you guys, either you guys jump in that, that that you're impressed with. I mean, you know, over, over this stretch, like I, I said, how impressed I am with Donato and McCann. McCann, McCann gets my vote for the most underrated guy. And I don't think you disagree with me Jim, because you and I talk about him and everything. I'm just yeah. like, I, I'm so happy with that guy. Yeah. I don't even want to call him underrated. I just want to, you know, what's kind of tick. Well, it is ticking me off is even when he's producing, he's been bounced around more on more on lines than anybody. And I, I'm going to write yeah. that up to his skill and he can play with anybody. But I don't like it when McCann is leading points per game per 60 at an 8.25 or 8.75, which is the highest on the team. And he's pulling 13 minutes lately in games. He's doing that because he's covering injuries right now. You know, he's moving around. But that guy can produce more than anybody per 60. Which I feel like, I mean, some maybe somebody's underrating him there or, you know, I don't know. He's, I just don't hear him talked about. And there's, there's various reasons why others are talking, you know, goalies get talked because they're goalies and such a big job and Tanov being Tanov and, his, you know, but I just, I don't know. I, I feel like McCann has just quietly been one of the best players, especially. Totally. Lately. I agree with that. Um, I am happy, you know, have Appleton back out there and get his first goal. That was really cool yeah. to to see. Hopefully, he'll get uh, several more in the next few weeks. Uh, I'd like to see Schwartzy get a few more too. Wouldn't say he's been quiet, but he's been a little bit quiet in the last couple of games. But he's he's been he's been getting it done. He's somebody that I've been watching a lot. But for Drieger to come out and 
get in between the four by six and put on the show that he did do goals aside. I mean, it's going to happen. Nobody's perfect, but he really stepped up when we needed him and proved that he can hold his own. And he, he was aces in my book. I, I'm excited to have him come back healthy, stay healthy and start more games. Yeah. Again, it was nice against his old team. And I'd seen him quite a few games, um, you know, playing with Florida last year. And I'm like, ah, now that's the guy I saw last year. So that's it. So hopefully this uh, injury, although it said uh, from the read, readout I saw, it looked like it was uh, indefinite when he'll come back. I mean, he's on IR. So anyway, well, hopefully uh, the court can fill in. All right. Um, so we've got some games coming up, of course, uh, you know, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg and Columbus. What stands out about those other than the obvious <laughs> Connor McDavid Drysidle show and then Sidney Crosby and Edmonton and you know Pittsburgh maybe being the toughest games. Winnipeg's, you know, doing pretty well, but they they're kind of a little inconsistent right now as, as is Columbus. So I don't know. Uh I guess so much of it depends on when, when some of our injured guys here can get back. Yeah, I'm going to all three games. So I'm going to see this right in my face. And what was that stat we saw earlier tonight? Something like 78 points between. Uh, oh yeah. Dry side. Dry had more points than, than McDavid. Yeah. But yeah. And I know that because I got him on my fantasy team. So I'm good with that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we all know this is going to be, everybody's there for that. Right. I always say this, I did this one as coach and I, you know, just try not to be mesmerized when they're coming in the zone. I know that's easier said than done. Just, you know, focus, you got to be moving their speed with them, not at them. And you got to put that laser right in the chest and walk with them. And that's the only way you can play with them. You can't look down and you can't look across and you cannot be going towards them or against the grain. But you know what, if you isolate on those guys, you got other weapons on that club that that's how they work. They're finally a decent team again. You know, it still sucks. a little. They still a little bit light on the defensive side. They can have a bad game here and there and tending, but they're a good club. You know, then you got Sid coming in and they're on a roll now. Yeah. They kind of, they started out slow, but now they're on a roll. So you got to watch out for that, but I think they're beatable. And then Winnipeg's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde club, actually. Big time. Who knows? Uh, you know, we look, we just, Got done with our best road trip, right? We played decent at home before the road trip. Actually, we played good. So we're on a bit of a roll, and now we're coming home. They're happy to be home. The crowd loves them. They love the crowd. Maybe we can carry this. Yep. Yeah. Four games all at home next. This yeah. is quite a quite a stretch and all. I'll be at the uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg games myself. So looking forward to them. You know, I'm kind of excited to be honest with you to see uh, Sid come to town and his first game in Seattle, kind of see what that, what that's like. But uh, you say they're on a roll, but, and they are, but the wins that they do have are not anything flashy by any means. Not a lot really going on there, but when it's all said and done, you know, they're, they're doing a lot better now. So are they beatable? Like Jim said, absolutely. It's not going to be a cakewalk. I don't think, but I'm excited for that one out of three or four games. I think that's, that's my favorite. Yeah. Well, it's again, it's, it's a, you know, an NHL, uh, you know, legendary player in town, you know, kind of like we had with Ovechkin and all, or a celebrity or, you know, and uh, it is again, the, the stars, the stars of the NHL coming into our city for the first time. It's exciting. Jim, you just touched on something earlier. You know, we were talking about, uh, you know, D, you know, plus seven, you know, you and I started the, about the six, seven, eight D slot situation and where does the team go with that or what, what do they need to do well i think they're starting to do it as you know the parents for the longest period of time pre-injury were geo alexiak lozon larson and 
Susi done for the most part with an occasional flurry dropping on the Susi slot. Right. A lot of people thought flurry was getting bagged and they thought he should have got a little better run. And you could hear some squawking on the internets, you know, let's give him a go. Let's give him a go. He'd get his goes still not as much as you would think. Then let's have an injury or two here and there. And this is what happens. So what they did is geo out with the COVID protocol that automatically slices one of the boys in either flurry and or Susie in the six, seven out at the same time, because I mean, it's pretty noticeable that Lausanne was struggling here and there. He's a good defender. He's a physical guy. He's the D man of the pairing, but he was a couple mistakes a game on average, uh, costly at times and surely not a good penalty a game at the same time. So those things add up after a while. People notice it. Coaches obviously notice it. And a move was made. So with Gio out, then Lausanne sitting as a scratch, that's when you get to see for the first time Susie and Fleury, which is a whole different dimension of attack. Both those guys are pretty much offensive-minded. Of the two, Susie's the best on-paper offensive and defensive split guy we have, other than Gio. Things we started seeing results in right after that situation, we started seeing results. I'm like, okay, there we go. I'm glad. And then bring in Will. He's your physical force, basically filling in the Lausanne role. He's got the physical thing going on, got the shot blocking capabilities. So there it is. We're on a roll. We start winning some games. People like it. That was nice to see because I've been barking for a while now on Borgen and he, he came out and did a nice job. I mean, he got his first assist, big deal, whatever. But those blocking shots, you know, that's huge. And, and he's, he's cleaning house on top of the paint, and that's huge too. I did a quick breakdown on the guys and where the coaching staff is probably coming up with here. Of all the guys lined out, well, of the six, seven, eight, however you want to call it, Fleury has the most NHL games played at 190. Susie at 123, Lausanne at 95, Borgen at 16. Susie was getting most of that rotation. And because... Susie is the equal guy. He's a plus player. He's equally as good defensively as he's offensively. So that's a plus no matter what. That's why he was getting it. Fleury is offensive only on production for the most part. Struggles a bit on the clean in the house out front. So that's why he wasn't getting as much time. Lausanne, we all know he's rated well in the PK. That's why we picked him up. He's a good defensive defenseman. But he was struggling with mistakes. Borgen, too new to the game, 16. You know, you got to give him a try in this situation. And he, he turned out nicely on that. So games played with Seattle, Fleury 11, Susie 15, Lausanne 19, Borgen two. From here, I imagine Borgen will go up a little bit still. And there are others, I'm not sure, but I like what I see dimensionally now because they can see we got a nice little sample of everybody. We don't have to be stuck with that single six, seven man rotation. We can work it up with all three and scratch nightly and throw it around depending on who we're playing. Yeah, no, it's great insight. And, you know, speaking of, you know, scratching, you know, I was, I was whining earlier about, I better not see Donato on that scratch. I agree. But, uh, what, uh, but we can say that about other guys or whatever. I mean, what's, uh, are they making good decisions on that now or better over the last few days? I mean, I thought, you know, with all due respect to Lazan, you know, he, you know, I, I agree with you. He's, he's, a, he's a solid player, but we're not seeing enough of that. And there was a lot of, you know, tweets out there and people like, yeah, about time you sat Lazan and give, mm -hmm. give Borg yeah. a chance. Yeah, there were, you and I were hardly the only people saying, no, that. it was coming uh, for a while actually. Yeah. And I think that's good. And maybe that'll help Lazan too. kind of think about it or, you know, put, put himself right or whatever, or, or light a fire and whatever is needed. 
Uh, I think he's capable of better than we've seen. But, uh, you know, we're in chat, you know, who, who gets, you know, who's the healthy scratch from night to night? Is he even starting to see here? I'm kind of going on a tangent, but also, you know, trade talk already. And it is kind of getting to that time where you might see some moves of guys getting, you know, dumped or, I mean, obviously we've seen some guys go on waivers and lost a few guys along the way on that. But, uh, you know, mo- most of, you know, some of them ended up in the AHL. But, uh, you know, a little, little trade of, you know, rumors about Jake DeBrusque, who asked for a trade at the Bruins, uh, and kind of seeing that come down the pike anyway for a while. Um, his play has been kind of inconsistent, also a guy I think capable of better. But I was surprised, or kind of surprised, you know, I was, I was thinking, oh, who would he be traded to? I hadn't, Seattle had not occurred to me. And that's one of the two or three teams most rumored that I'm seeing about a trade with DeBrusque and sometimes Appleton's been mentioned sometimes uh, Dunn and I don't want to lose Dunn. That's that one. I didn't want to see, but I mean, Dunn and Appleton and I'm trying to remember who else, but I know thoughts on on that one guys. I don't know that if you go back to yesterday, when the rumor really started, I think there was four or five clubs and I didn't see Seattle mentioned. I did see it today. And I, I feel like that's almost just made up. If I'm Ronnie, I don't want to take that chance right now. Anyway, it's too early with building your club. Like for instance, Appleton, you know, he's missed some games. You haven't seen his, what he can do yet. And I like what I've seen out of Appleton the last two games. He's producing big time and he was a huge player tonight. I don't want that. I don't want Dunner going. (laughs) Somebody did bring up the Lausanne situation in there. And I thought, Oh, okay. (laughs) No, but I don't know. I I don't think we're involved. I made a statement at the beginning of the show that I'd actually, as I've been sitting here, thinking about it. I'd like to retract that statement when I mentioned that we had 22 blocked shots and why would we need the opportunity to block 22 and who cares? Honestly, I mean, I guess I forgot that there are professional hockey players on the other side of it that are coming. So they all know what they're doing. And uh, if you have to block shots and they're blocking them, who cares? Who cares why, how they're doing it. And to everybody listening, I apologize for that statement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're retraction. Our first one on Kraken Fancast, folks. You heard it here first. No, all good. Yeah, I mean, well, this team is learning how to move forward and and play together, and as as we are as fans too, and of learning along the way and seeing what what's working and not. And we're gonna. I think all of our opinions are gonna change. There are some guys I'm like, oh gosh, this guy isn't fitting fitting in. I'm not gonna name names at the moment, but I'm like, oh okay, never mind. They're doing okay. So, uh, you know, uh, it's it's you know, it's good. It's good to see. I know our PKs. I'm just gonna throw this in there. I know our yeah. P or our, our PP is hauling butt right now and moving up midway pack which is impressive. yes finally it was like next to worst for a while yeah there. which is impressive in like a 10-day period um it does, it's not showing any signs of slowing down but when i look at it i, I kind of pick it apart still i don't know why i mean and i like the guy too but he's just really dry on the five on five and i don't see him doing much on the power plane i'm surprised he's on it and that's geeky mm. i'd like to see him roll off that and then maybe slide somebody else in there i don't know that's just me i feel like they're putting him on there to try to light his fire i guess try to give him some points and get him going again because he's only got i think three or four total two and two i'm just not seeing much out of him and i know he can do this you know i'd kind of like to see somebody else slotted in that pk position pp position pardon me right Right. And penalty kills, you know, solid too. I mean, it's, yeah. it seems like everything is, is, is gelling more. And we've even seen a little bit in the standings uh, uh, as we record this uh, Vancouver also won tonight. So uh, 
uh, Seattle and Taiwan. Well, I guess Seattle has a little tiebreaker, so they're they're in seventh in the in the Pacific right now, ahead of Vancouver and only uh, four points behind the Kings, getting getting a little closer there. And then Vegas is only uh, two points ahead of that. So have if we, we keep uh, this up? They can get back in the mix here. Have we played more than most of the people in the teams in the twenty? As uh, today, oh yes, that that's true. Twenty three. Seattle's done. Uh, LA is twenty one. Vegas is twenty one. Although Vancouver's played twenty four. Oh, okay. So uh, certainly not the most, but among among the most. Um, you know, it, it, looking back, at, and we can look back at our take at the beginning of the season, how good is the Pacific uh, Division going to be? And and I think a lot of our thoughts mirrored a lot of the other experts. And uh, sure, Edmonton's right up there, but uh, as everybody thought, but Anaheim, whoa, yeah. that one didn't see that coming. Uh, Calgary, too. Yeah, they, uh, that, you know, they, uh, I mean, I thought they'd be better this year, but they, they're going gangbusters. Calgary was my mystery team. I didn't know where to place them. That's right. I remember you saying that. Mm-hmm. I, and understandably so. I mean, they could have a real wild card, but they're, you know, uh, 22 games in. Uh, they're they're up top there with Edmonton. Um, Anaheim not too far behind them. And then everybody else is a, a little, little bit. But, you know, San Jose started off strong. They kind of came back down to earth, although doing okay. Um, uh, Vegas, they in Vegas are kind of kind of neck and neck there, and then then you get dropped down to L.A., Seattle, and Vancouver. But tons of hockey left, of course, and uh, and this is all going to shift a little bit. But it is interesting, twenty to twenty four games in, seeing uh, who's uh, who's up there, and then you know just as we figured, Arizona and Ottawa are terrible. So you know some things, <laughs> some things, uh, uh, predictions uh, we're not wrong on. All right. Well, thank you guys uh, for all that great insight and and chat. Um, our next uh, segment, uh, we usually have emails from the deep, uh, but we have no emails from the deep this week. What's the matter? You guys shy? Didn't, I mean, we got a lot of good uh, notes from people and everything and comments, and we always appreciate that. And we also love uh, getting to interact with our listeners and, and appreciate getting emails. If you guys have any questions or all, uh, feel free to send us notes um, either through our email, through our website at crackandfancast.com. Or uh, you can send us uh, notes via Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, feel free if you have any questions or any little topics you'd like us to focus on, let us know. Others have, and uh, hopefully we'll get back to that uh, next week. Um, next, we've got our segment with uh, Luke Chelios. But before we get to that, I want to take a minute to tell you about our Patreon page. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for creators to get funding. Putting this podcast on takes a lot of time and uh, takes some expenses for equipment. So things like sponsorship and Patreon funding helps us keep doing what we're doing. So for patrons, it's a great way to join their favorite creators community, help with funding, and even get some perks along the way. So uh, we encourage you to go to patreon.com slash crackandfancast, or you can go to crackandfancast.com, our website slash Patreon and make your way there. Uh, we have some great perks you all can get involved with, starting at five bucks a month. There are different tiers, and so the more you donate to support, the more perks you can get. So we encourage you to uh, check that out. Uh, we have some raw interview of, uh, raw audio rather, of interviews and uh, other little perks on there. So uh, check that out. We do appreciate your patronage very much. Just like we appreciate the patronage of our fantastic sponsors, uh, we'd like to thank them, particularly our presenting sponsor, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. 
Beer for One, Beer for All. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. And uh, also big thanks to the Angry Beaver, where we broadcast a, a week or two ago uh, at uh, during the Tampa Bay game. Uh, we'll be doing little drop-ins there from time to time. Uh, the Angry Beaver is Seattle's number one hockey-themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And uh, we thank them for their patronage. And, uh, and last, certainly, but not least, I'd like to welcome uh, and thank our newest sponsor, Mojito, serving the best of Latin American and Cuban food in the Seattle area. Mojito has been serving Seattle's Maple Leaf neighborhood uh, and beyond with authentic Latin cuisine. Check them out at mojitoseattle.com. Okay, it's time for our regular segment. Uchelios, take it away. Hi, this is Luke Chelios with Kraken Fancast. We have a very special guest, a hockey player that I grew up. He was my hero, and he's uh, a friend of my parents from the church in Edmonton back in the 60s. Welcome, Phil Russell, Chicago Blackhawk legend. How are you doing? Oh, legend. I- I'm doing fine, Luke. Uh, th- life's been very good to me. I live over in Spring Lake, Michigan. I- I've Moved over here to a uh, uh, coach and development club for the Pittsburgh Penguins back in the late 80s. Uh, we, we had a nice kick at the cat. Uh, I have a uh, 42-year-old daughter from uh, an original marriage and a 10-year-old daughter from, from my wife, who's a uh, grade four teacher in, in Muskegon. Fantastic. Uh, can't be better. I've got my health. That's that's, That's uh, so important. Well, Phil, tell us a little bit about how you got into hockey when you were a little boy up in Canada. Well, that's like the the age old story of the the Bruce would put a rink out back, and uh, when I was real young, I'd dig holes with the back of my skates in it. Uh, uh, we lived in uh, Pleasant View in Martin Estate, and in Edmonton. Okay, yeah, south side of Edmonton. Uh, I think of. Uh, uh, Larry Adams was an elderly gentleman who had polio in his legs. He would he would ride the uh, uh, S three bus with Joel Caswell, and and okay. Joel Joel would uh, always uh, say, "You should pay attention to Larry Adams, and and he'll put you through the." Uh, which I found rather interesting that. He would hold my hand. I'd, I'd take him out to center ice because he, his legs were. He wasn't in a wheelchair, but he'd shuffle along. Okay. And for hours, trust me, hours. He would just put me through the paces, and I really, I, I loved it. It was skating to me was always wonderful. Uh, it was a sense of freedom, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I still. I'm in contact with Larry Adams, who's in the uh, general, the general uh, hospital up in Edmonton. For uh, is an elderly guy, but a, a, a wonderful, wonderful fella. Really neat. I was born at the University of Edmonton, Alberta Hospital in Edmonton back in 1964, and the black and white pictures are our backyard were farm fields, and we had a horse down the road named Charlie. Mom and dad used to take me after church for a little horse ride once in a while. That church that you went to, Phil, with your mother, Mary, is now the middle of the city of Edmonton. It's, <laughs> they've built, you know, half of the city back 
beyond there. So it's too bad the church, it's too bad you and Ted didn't buy all that land together. <laughs> we were always saying as a family um, that the, originally there was a, a mink ranch and the South Side Drive-In off of that street. And then uh, Southgate Mall went okay, up. Okay, Southgate Mall, yeah. Mom is shaking her head. She remembers that. Yeah. The signs. Signs coming, yeah. Harry Ainley's out there, the high school I went to. My brother went to uh, Skona, Strathcona Comp. Okay. Uh, fond memories, Edmonton. You know, well, I, you know, mom and dad spent many years in Winnipeg, and they lived on a street called Strathcona. So that's kind of fun. So after after uh, we moved away from Edmonton, and uh, we kept in touch with you, Phil, because you went to the Edmonton Oil Kings, where you played some hockey, even with Marcel Como, our first guest on the Kraken Fancast a few weeks ago. Marcel says hi from Seattle. And uh, we'd love to get you out to Seattle someday for a Kraken hockey game. We start our first game on October 12th down in Vegas. And Seattle's crazy about the Kraken. So it's going to be exciting to have NHL hockey in uh, between California and, and Vancouver. The Kraken are going to be a wonderful stop for the NHL. It's very exciting. So after you were at the Oil Kings, you were drafted high by the Chicago Blackhawks in 72, 73. Yes. And then... How many years did you play with Tony Esposito and Stan Makita and the boys? I I was uh, I was moved in 79, 80, so that would have been about seven years with Tony. Uh, okay. I loved them and Stan. Uh, loved the Red Wings, Black Hawks. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing because we met you at, when you became a Calgary Flame. You came through Winnipeg finally in your career. And when we met you after a Jets hockey game, you saw my mom, and she's a five-foot-tall lady with the biggest heart you've ever seen. You picked her up and just gave her the biggest hug, and she'll, <laughs> she's still talking about it from 1979. And that was the year the Jets and Bobby Hall uh, joined the NHL um, back in the first, first tenure. And it's interesting, the Atlanta Flames became the Atlanta Thrashers, and then years later, they moved to Winnipeg. So... Uh, I, I think they should stop trying to play hockey in Atlanta and just stay in the, in the Northern regions. Um, <laughs> it's, it's failed twice down there. <laughs> Phil, like Phil, we have to tell a quick story about two players. I have my list here. You, you played a few hockey games on the defense with number four, Bobby Orr. Tell us about that. Well, when, when Bobby Orr came to our club in Chicago, uh, we did not understand that uh, Boston wasn't going to get any compensation for him. So we, we were all afraid of who was getting traded. Oh, back. exactly. And to be so, announced later. <laughs> yeah, they announced later that there'd be no compensation and that, that um, Bobby Orr had just been uh, uh, signed by, by the Blackhawks. Uh, uh, there, of course, there was a relationship with. Uh, Alan Eagleson was going uh, was going nowhere. The crazy but, eagle. Okay. Everybody, uh, there's an old hockey joke, and and this, uh, you know, that um, a person goes to heaven and he sees someone on the ice skating with a Boston Bruins jersey and number four on it, and they said, "I didn't know that Bobby Orr would pass away," 
He said, oh, that's not, that's, that's God. He just thinks he's Bobby Orr. <laughs> Phil Russell, <laughs> we're talking, he's uh, near Muskegon, uh, Michigan, up in Spring Lake. He's part of the Chicago Blackhawks alumni. And uh, we think and remember Tony Esposito and Stan Makita legends that we've lost. And uh, even Keith Magnuson, some of your, some of your buddies. And uh, I bet you miss those guys dearly. Yes, but as we were talking about earlier, there, there's, there probably should be some coffee up there in heaven one day. And uh, I've got Bill White up there with uh, Pat Stapleton. Oh, Keith boy. And Doug Jarrett. Uh, there, there's quite a few. Pitt Martin. Quite a few of the uh, 72 hockey team are, are uh, in that big hockey game up in heaven. Well, and uh, a fellow that we talked about previously when we chatted, tell us one more story about the Kraken general manager, Ron Francis. You had a little bit of luck that one year with the Stanley Cup. Well, I'd, I'd just like to say that I know Seattle's in good hands because Ronnie Francis is out there. And he, he certainly, when Mario had difficulties, he shouldered a lot of the team. And, uh, of course, they're back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. I'm very happy to have organizational rings from those days. Fantastic. Uh, so you are a winner at the end of your career. Didn't happen with Calgary, Edmonton, New Jersey, Buffalo, or Chicago, but it happened with Ronnie Francis, and the, they call him Ronnie Franchise. So Seattle's just super <laughs> excited to have him as our general manager. And, Phil, we invite you and your family to come out to Seattle soon or sometime after COVID when travel's easier. We're going to hang out at the Seattle Kraken uh, rink together and uh, have a coffee together and share some more stories. But thank you for joining our podcast today. You're my hero, Phil Russell. I love you. Take care, and we'll Thanks. meet you down the road. And I always say, keep your stick in the air and celebrate those goals. All right, Mr. Chilios, thanks very much, as always, for that great insight. Always appreciated, my friend. Uh, folks, please remember, if you haven't already done so, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle again is at cast Kraken. And uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, all of those other channels are under at Kraken Fancast. Um, so uh, we look forward to doing some more things on our YouTube channel. We're going to keep obviously doing our podcast every two weeks throughout the uh, season here. So please uh, keep checking us out and uh, let others know about us. We appreciate uh, those uh, any promotion we can get. Um, as always, you can catch Kraken Fancast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as our own website, KrakenFancast.com. We'll be back later in the month to discuss more Kraken game happenings, among other topics. So, uh, big thanks to, uh, as always, to our producer, Jay Middleton, for Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, and Luke Chilios. I'm Chris Porter, and we thank you so much for listening. And as always, we say, Go, Go Kraken! Kraken.